Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. One of your hosts, Lyndon, pronouns he, him. And my name is Boston, pronouns he, him. Joining us today on the pod, our guest, Pastor Anita Saroop, uh, pastor at Spirit of Life Lutheran Church in Vancouver, and also Pastor Nathan Fong at Great Grace Lutheran Church in Burnaby. And we're excited to have them here to talk about Clay Youth Gathering, which they were both keynotes. It was the big youth gathering for Lutherans and Anglicans nationally in Canada that meets every two years. And we'd like to talk a bit about their experiences there and some of the takeaways they've had from that. So welcome to you both. Thanks. Thanks. It's good to, good be, to here. be here. So maybe a place to start. Could you tell us a little bit about what is the Clay Youth Gathering? Okay, who are you asking? Well, we have to see. Let's start with you. <laughs> with me? Yeah. Okay, so the Clay Youth Gathering, that's the Canadian Lutheran Anglican Youth. And it's like, uh, you know, when people say chai tea, and it's like redundant. So people say clay um, youth gathering, and it's like kind of redundant, I guess. That's just my little pet peeve. <laughs> you should probably edit that out. But Canadian Lutheran Anglican Youth Gathering since 2010. It was, um, before that, it was just the uh, Lutherans gathering, the youth. And then after 2010, the Anglicans joined in. And it became this uh, ecumenical, full communion youth gathering. And so we have youth from all across the country, different synods uh, gather usually in a spot in either Western Canada or Eastern Canada. And um, yeah, it's, I think, one of the best, if not the best event the church uh, puts on. Excellent. And Nathan, did you have some some thoughts to to add to that? What was your uh, experience like? Uh, you had some preparation to do as a keynote, and then uh, some days on site before the gathering began. Um, we we did have a lot of preparation before the youth gathering for sure. And Anita, Pastor Anita and I got together. Uh, I don't know five or six times at least, just to go over what we were going to be talking about how we're going to talk about it and all that kind of stuff the vision that the organizers had was almost like um, a conversation between the two of us and Anita and I converse a lot uh, but never in a scripted kind of manner and so that was a little bit different for sure and just learning how to feed off each other and and make this script sound very natural and all that kind of stuff. So we, it was a lot of work before that. The arriving before it started was kind of, um, I don't know how to say it properly. It, it, it was kind of a gong show. <laughs> <laughs> as, as it probably would be with any large scale event. <laughs> yeah, we weren't sure what time, when we should get there and all that kind of stuff. So Anita actually showed up a day before I did and got the lowdown on everything before I did. I got there like the night before it started. So I didn't even get to, I didn't even see the theater until we were almost on, I think. Wow. That's you, hit the ground, you hit the ground running. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just spring onto the set. Um, 
And so what, what was that like to take the stage together? It was great. It was great. It was, um, I think that, that uh, Pastor Nathan and I have been, you know, working as colleagues together for such a long time, but never on a particular project intensely, like this intensely together. So I felt like we were really well prepared. And in those days leading up, like our preparation time, we really um, got to know each other in a way, like shared our stories. We had a lot of, we discovered that we had a lot of similar uh, backstory, uh, being second generation Canadian, both pastors in the Lutheran church. And I think we built, upon, we built up the story on that um, shared experience but when we came together to start um, on the stage, I felt like this was going to work. Either we were going to get canceled or it was going to work. Like maybe it wasn't going to land. You weren't, weren't quite sure, you know, like you, you show up to do this big thing and you're not sure how it's going to, how it's going to be received. And yeah, I think when we got out there the first time, I was quite surprised <laughs> that we were so warmly, warmly received and warmly greeted and uh it felt like i mean people laughed at our jokes i don't know about you as a pastor linden but when i'm preaching i like thank that one person in the back <laughs> thank you <laughs> for that affirmation <laughs> but this was so like different that is a dream yeah. you're describing yeah it was so different it was incredible yeah i i think it was pretty nerve-wracking because this is different for me, at least. My experience of speaking in front of people is always just me speaking. So I kind of write the agenda. I kind of write what I'm going to say, and I say it. But having to work with someone else, um, as similar as we may be, it was a very different experience. And it, it was fun. I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed it, I don't think. <laughs> but it, it was a lot of fun. But it was nerve-wracking moving in. I remember thinking, I think it was the Sunday. It started on Thursday. And on the Sunday before I left, yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, should I should I try to get COVID and, and say, like, I can't make it anymore? Fake COVID. <laughs> Fake COVID. I was getting a, a red Sharpie and put a little line in there. And, <laughs> and um, But then when, as soon as I got there, I think, um, I think I woke up and just had the sense of calm and thinking like, you know, I, and I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if I shared this with you, Anita, but I was kind of intimidated having to work with you because, because Anita, if you haven't heard her speak before, she's very, very good and um, very well polished and very funny. And a lot of and you and, are. A, a kind of speaker that I, I, I kind of aspire to be. And so to be up on stage with her, I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're going to love her and they're going to hate me. <laughs> And then it was the opposite. No, <laughs> so it, it was very nerve wracking. It was very nerve wracking for sure. But as, as like I was saying, as as uh, as we were getting started, I had this sense of calm and saying, like, you know what, it will be what it will be. If we get canceled, all right. If if we don't get canceled, even better. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it was a very uplifting experience for sure. Yeah, I felt that sense of calm as well. Um, I felt like it was a really different environment to set foot into. We were well prepared. We, when I arrived early too, and they were setting up all the equipment, 
the producer, Zach, he had said, yeah, you guys have like a comfort screen so you can put your script up, like a teleprompter. And uh, I thought, okay, that's good as long as that thing is scrolling. And I, I don't want it to be on auto scroll. I need someone to be actually sitting there scrolling it, listening to us. And we got there and the uh, audiovisual guy said, I'm sorry, we can't do, we can't uh, set up the teleprompter. And I was just like, <laughs> I was in shock. And I think about seven minutes later, Zach's like, good news. We got the uh, comfort screens. And I was like, oh my God. But I think it was Saturday on the screen I mean, on the stage, the um, the kids were going to gather around a campfire, and they were going to sit on the stage. So we couldn't we couldn't use the the teleprompters lest we be <laughs> found out <laughs> as using a teleprompter. So uh, Nathan and I were like rehearsing, and we were already exhausted because it's Saturday, and we're up in one of the uh, lounges in the dorms at Waterloo, uh, rehearsing, just rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. And, and messing it up every time, you know, and just like, oh, <laughs> and then we get on the stage and we did it. <laughs> that to me was like this calm set in and we just did it. And, you know, I think we, well, from the feedback, we did a pretty good job. So they, res they you could tell that we connected with the group. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. And that day too, when we went kind of by memory, um, Zach was still going over our script. Zach was the executive producer. And he was he told us after, he said, you guys actually almost bang on. There might be five words that were wrong. <laughs> and we, we, we could be actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was surprised that we we were that good. But I mean, I felt as though it was the spirit leading us and uh, yeah. giving us that peace, allowing us to uh, share our stories and and to be a part of the the lives of the youth in this way and it was i mean that that first day especially when we, when we first came on the stage um we had this little bit where anita came on first and uh and i came on second so anita came in she said hey i'm the i'm the keynote and all this kind of everyone's cheering going crazy and then i come walking late well hey i'm sorry i'm late i'm your keynote and and we were acting like we didn't know that we were co-keynoting co-keynote so and we had one chair, one chair that said keynote, like a director's chair. Yeah. Only yeah. one and chair. When <laughs> we realized that we're doing this together, or realized, quote unquote, they brought out another chair that said also keynote. <laughs> and so my name tag actually said also keynote, Pastor Nathan. <laughs> it's kind of a corny joke, but by the end of the youth gathering, people were like, the Lord be with you, and also keynote with you. Like the kids were all just like <laughs> buying into these corny pastor jokes it was yeah. awesome yeah. <laughs> so something that I was curious about because I, I feel like you well I feel like I have heard a lot like you know you always hear about how like the youth like are not you know that we don't have enough youth there's not enough youth there aren't youth like you know the churches are are like you know, people are too, not too old, but I don't know how to like put it again in a nice way, but it's just like, you know, congregations are aging. There's not enough young people, but like, I know I'm friends with you on Facebook, uh, Pastor Anita. And like, it seemed like there were a lot and a lot and a lot of youth there. It seemed like a very, very busy gathering. Um, and so I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. I mean, I, I know I'm certain that you too have also heard it, you know, that there 
there aren't enough youth. The the youth are disappearing, but it's like it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> there it was there were a lot there. Well, I think that the church has a habit of saying of of kind of searching or yearning or lamenting of who's not there and forgetting who is here. And there has there's always been youth coming to the youth gathering. It's always been a dynamic gathering. I think my first gathering was in 2010. And I looked around that that uh, worship space, like it's a big like like auditorium. And not only are, are there lots of youth, but there are lots of youth of color, tons of youth of color. And that, for me, I always wondered, you know, why wasn't that, why isn't that reflected in our leadership? And this time, you know, because of COVID and uh, the world, um, congregations were just, you know, it, it was just a little harder to to motivate families to um, to get their kids to to clay. Um, I mean, even before COVID, clay is a culture, it's a culture. So when you have like a group of youth that are going to clay, you have like a confirmation class that is watching this youth group go to clay and they're like, one day that's going to be us. So when you have a disruption like COVID, it kind of loses that cycle because we only have like this, this kind of an age group or uh, range for kids to be interested in youth uh, ministry. But they're there. Um, so the numbers were a little smaller, but like I said, when we focus on who isn't here, I think we lose something. And there were a lot of youth there, and there were a lot of youth of color there. And then they're really engaged. They're theological thinkers, they're faithful, they have questions. They're incredible, like uh, incredible Lutherans, incredible Christians. We can learn a lot from the youth. So what kind of things did you yeah. talk about uh, together? Nathan, you can answer that. <laughs> you, um, just to clarify, what, what things we talk about during our talk, you mean? Um, yeah, they're kind of, uh, and I'm sure you receive questions uh, from youth. And I'm just kind of curious what the kind of vibe was like, what, where the curiosity is, things like that. I think like, at least for my experience and some of my interaction with some of the youth, we didn't get to interact a lot with the youth while we were there. Mostly just from like, while they were sitting in, in like among the masses and we were on the stage. But the little interaction I had with the youth, a lot of them were relating our stories, like our stories of being second generation Canadian of invisible minorities and how a lot of kids who didn't, are not second generation Canadians, how they still related to the, the marginalization that we felt and the, the different hardships, I guess we, we had as growing up as looking different, the sense of belonging, uh, the sense of just fitting in all that kind of stuff um and they were able to resonate with that and so they they uh at least with me a couple of youth came up and talked to me about that which is neat to see that uh a story of like our story of of uh two people that are born in Canada but immigrant parents how um we had assumptions made of us and, and this and that how that feeling can resonate with 
at least every kid I talked to, you know, um, and that that was cool to see and and how they were actually engaging, not just with what we're saying, but somehow relating it to themselves and hearing their story in our story. And hopefully at the end, when we kind of tied it all to the gospel, that they were able to see gospel in their own life too. And um, with the reception that we got at the end, I, I believe at least a good portion of them got there. Yeah, for sure. I had the same experience. People were coming up and, and saying, and tell, and sharing their stories. And I think that Nathan and I really, um, you know, there was a common theme every day of, of feeling valued, feeling seen, feeling like we belong. And I think that everybody, everybody can relate to that. And uh, it was interesting because one of the Anglican bishops came up and said, well, one of the Anglican bishops came up and said, um, you know, I was talking with my group of youth and everybody was saying that they could relate to that story. They're like, we really, like, we, we get that. And um, I, am, I felt like I haven't been seen. I, my parents have moved here from another country. Um, I struggle to, um, you know, I, I change my personality sometimes to fit in with other people. Um, but there were youth that said to this bishop, the only thing that was different is that I'm white. And they understood what it meant to be passing in our culture and understood that being, having white skin was, uh, a, a kind of a way to pass, to more easily pass in our culture in terms of acceptance. And so that bishop, that Anglican bishop was really um, like blown away by their insight. And then this other um, youth leader came up and said, I have indigenous um, uh, siblings in my group. And both of them were really like struck by the fact that both Nathan and I lost our language so my parents um they didn't teach us hindi because that wasn't the the, the language of success and the future and all that kind of thing it was colonized and nathan didn't learn was it mandarin or can uh, chinese you say chinese but i always well, thought it was chinese, mandarin. Yeah. Chinese. chinese yeah, yeah. And, and, chinese, um, okay sure <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, you didn't learn your language either. And so um, it really resonated with this, these siblings who are, you know, they understand as their own family story that they lost their language and indigenous languages and, um, and are trying to, as a family, reclaim them. And uh, yeah, and that was really moving for me, how uh, it takes only a generation only one generation to lose a language, which is profound. So if they were really connecting in different ways and in their own, like connecting their own stories. And I think we made a, make a lot of assumptions when we say, well, it's, it's really not relatable to, to speak from the margins, you know? It's, uh, it's not relatable, but it's, it's a human story. And we all relate to to the narratives, like the human narratives, and especially as Christians, I mean, we have this big narrative that we follow, this, this Jesus narrative. So we're storied people. 
I think stories connect us. And it sure did at Clay. That sounds really life-giving. And uh, I mean, something you touched on as well, like rather than focus on, say, numbers or people who weren't there, focusing on those who were. I mean, it seems like an important takeaway in church generally when there's a lot of hand wringing about church decline, especially mainline churches. Um, and it becomes a really, I don't know, negative focus rather than celebrating, as you said, the people who are there and the amazing stories that may have been overlooked in the past. And there's an opportunity to tell those stories today as you experienced. Uh, and as you said, youth of various backgrounds were relating to and found energizing. Um, just seems like that's a shift that would be helpful uh, for the church generally. Yeah, for sure. I, I, my, my experience with Clay is that it's the forefront. Like, there's always been a forefront of conversation. If you're talking about um, full communion relationships, this is Clay is the first place where I've ever seen full communion relationships uh, play out in real time in a real way. And this has been happening for such a long time. And I think other conversations as well um, that the church needs to have, you know, we can definitely look to a gathering of youth. And yeah, um, it, it was pretty obvious that uh, they understand the youth that we talked to. They, it, the message landed because they understand anti-oppression, right? They understand what it means to, um, they understand the connection between what we, what we're learning in, in church or what they hear in church and basic human dignity, they get it. So, um, yeah, I think that sometimes in churches, there seems to be more of a, a, a culture gap and uh, it's harder to unlearn or, or relearn things that we thought we knew, but uh, we forget that we're a, a reforming church. We're a church of reformation. And that means that we deconstruct things and we reinterpret things in new ways. And that doesn't mean throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but it just means that we cling to what is essential and understand what is adiaphora, right? So, and I just threw that word in there because I try to use it every day in a sentence. Can you define it? See, nobody laughed. This is what I'm back to this again. <laughs> I laughed. We're not Thank supposed you. to laugh on, uh, into microphones. It's like a faux okay. podcast. We're supposed to have this like pretend we're Ira Glass or uh, we're on NPR or something. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I find that stuff really kind of fascinating and really that there's these, a lot of opportunities for us, it sounds like from that we could be exploring. I mean, all four of us right now in this podcast are what's called the BC Synod kind of region of Lutherans in this province with a bishop. Not everyone might be familiar with that division, but for Lutherans, that's how it is. And some amazing opportunities to do some, some of that kind of storytelling and draw from that as a strength rather than, oh, we're a small, Lutherans are smaller in Canada, or we're a small synod. Like there's a lot of emphasis on the diminutive as opposed to 
uh, faith the size of a mustard seed kind of storytelling we could be doing to say, what well, look what we are doing with uh, a smallish group, the kind of small and mighty. For sure. And just thinking about, um, well, thinking about as we we want to respond to social issues uh, as a church, unfortunately, right, we see a lot of hate popping up, whether it's uh, racism or anti-trans stuff and so on. I feel like there's an opportunity to respond to that in a unique way as churches that there aren't a lot of community groups left that have a broader spectrum of of folks that aren't all kind of united by a very specific common interest. The church is still a bit big tent in who it attracts. So I wondered what your thoughts might be uh, on that as we are looking at ways to be, I don't know if resilience the right word, but to respond to voices of hate and even fascism as they creep up in Canada. Um, again, rather than just seeing, oh, we're we're getting steamrolled by this this big movement, you go to this gathering and see we've got a lot of voices and talent that are being overlooked. I wonder if the same might be true as we look for creative responses to these these issues in our communities. I don't know, Nathan, if you want to take stab at that. Um. That's a pretty big question. <laughs> Fair enough. I, um, I just in reflecting with, like, specifically with the youth gathering and stuff, and what I saw there in terms of all these issues and everything. Uh, and to me, it seemed like with the youth. These issues that we have in the church, in Canada, and everything, weren't issues. It was just kind of like, why, why are people fighting about this? Like, isn't it obvious what the correct course of action is when we're talking about um, trans folk or um, racialized people or gender issues or whatever? Like, aren't we called just to love people? Aren't we called to be accepting and and all, like there was no kind of question that I could see at least in that. It was just very affirming, very welcoming, and um, what I believe that the church would like to be at some point in time. And I think just with time, we would get there because those who aren't in that camp just won't be around anymore <laughs> with the natural flow of time. And so I think there's hope in that, in in knowing that the future is bright. And I'm not saying that we don't need to do anything right now. I'm not saying that we don't need to act and teach and and uh, intentionally do. But just that the concerns that we have may not be the same concerns as the youth have in terms of this kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying, yeah, sorry. I, 
I'm just, I was, I'm just worried about how I'm coming off. Right. <laughs> I was noticing that um, we got to participate directly with the youth um, in a exercise. Now, I couldn't be getting this wrong. I think CLWR sponsored it, but it could be PWRDF. Um, or maybe they co-sponsored it, but it was a um, an exercise. So it was a it was what is that? What was that that app that we used to? Um, I feel like Oodles an old lady right now. Yeah, something like <laughs> Oodle or Moodle. I don't know what it was, but anyways, yeah. it was a, a digital voting kind of thing. But we did this wide scale um, exercise on um, on uh, uh, refugee the refugee journey. And so each, so you had to come, you had to gather into families. And so the BC Senate, you, we were a family. And then we had to be, we would give, be given questions and circumstances. And we had to make uh, decisions as a group to how we were gonna proceed next. And some of the things were really difficult. Like they were about, we had to make decisions to leave people behind. We had to make decisions to like, spend all the money and um, take a risk on something that could get us killed. Um, it was it, it was like if you think about a, a game, except the conversations that the kids were having, the youth were having, they were not taking it as a game. They were like really thinking about political situations in other countries. They were really listening to, con to their own congregations that sponsored um, refugees or uh, sponsored families. They understood some of these dynamics in ways that I was blown away. Um, some one of the one of the youth from um, BC was. It was like he was so informed, and I thought you must have been part on. You must have been part of a sponsorship committee because you you seem to know some of these things. Some of them were taking risks. Some of them were saying, you know what, leave me behind. Leave me behind for the greater good. Right. If you guys all go in this direction and I've got I need this medication, forget it. Leave me behind. It's not emotional. We need to survive. Our family needs to survive. And I I was I was blown away that um yeah, they weren't they weren't taking this as a game and they were really well informed. And also too, we had other um speakers that were there. So Don Miracle was there and she was the her, her vocation is school teacher, so she was fantastic with um, with the kids. But she has uh, this personality that um, kids were with her all the time, and they were trying to understand. And she was like teaching different pieces. Um, she's Métis, and she was teaching different pieces of culture. And they were just like eating it up. They were like sharing what they knew with, with her. They were they were quite a few um, Indigenous youth there as well. But, you know, she was revered as a, as a, uh, a speaker, as a leader there. Um, some of the, the organizers, so different church organizations had their um, uh, little booths set up. And um, Pastor uh, Sarah Diamond from Luther College had all these great buttons made up. The kids made buttons. And they had like your pronouns and they had like all of these really affirming messages and the buttons just like everybody, you could see by the, in the middle of the gathering, like everybody was wearing these buttons and the buttons ran out and they had this button maker and you could make more buttons and everybody was, was wearing them. But like in a different way, they were small. So you could see different people's personalities. And uh, yeah, I, I felt like, 
Like in answer to your question, I agree with, with Pastor Nathan. Some of these issues that, uh, you know, we feel compelled, it is hard when we look at the news and we look at things that are happening in the world and we think we do need to stand up, we do need to show up, um, we do need to just be present. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it is a strong, a contentious issue. It's not a divided issue with uh, this demographic. I think they understand in ways that we could definitely um, learn from. And, and just to add to that, I mean, with that exercise that we did with the refugee thing, like the, it was kind of like a choose your own venture. Mm -hmm. I, as I looked around the room, as we did that, it was like a big group thing. So the auditorium was like full of these little pockets of, of home teams and stuff acting as a family. Everyone was engaged. It wasn't just the BC Synod youth. Like everyone was engaged. And it wasn't like they weren't like laughing and they weren't like throwing in each other's face. Like, oh, we got we made the right choice. You guys messed up. Like they weren't, it wasn't a game like that, but they were taking it so seriously in that um, I saw with some of them, they were getting kind of emotional. Yeah. With some of the decisions that they had to make, the, the options that were in front, like some of them were just impossible options, like impossible decisions. And and they were they were they were doing it. And so, like, I mean, going back to the question, I mean, where are the youth or whatever? I think the question is actually, how come the youth aren't acting like we'd acted like youth? How come they're not every Sunday church goers kind of thing? How come they're not, you know, doing all these things that we did as youth? So that means because they're not that we're screwed, <laughs> that the future is bleak because this, this uh, culture of church or whatever isn't the same, but looking around, I mean, these kids are faithful. These kids um, have good heads on their shoulders and, and they're thinking about all these issues in ways that we never did, at least like I didn't growing up and stuff. I wasn't like that. And so maybe they're not coming to church every Sunday. Maybe they're not, um, you know, maybe they'll know all the hymns by by heart <laughs> or the liturgies and stuff like that. Maybe they can't, maybe they don't know you know, the, the correct order of the 66 books of the Bible. But they have a deep faith and a deep sense of right and wrong and a deep sense of calling as to as to what they are doing in mission in the world, you know, and their, their, their role that they play. And, that, and that's like my experience through this gathering and just seeing how they engaged and how they were able to hear what was going on and see and relate to each other. It was pretty amazing. And again, going back to what I said a little while ago, I mean, it, it was very hope-filled in knowing that you know, our future is bright. It's different than what we're used to and accustomed to, but it's bright. Yeah, for sure. I think too that we struggle as a church to, to be led from the margins. And, you know, we feel like we've got a voice, we've got privilege, let's use our voices, let's shout, let's rah, 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 let's rally everybody, instead of like looking at what's already been happening. And what, um, yeah, I, I think that, that I had the same experience of just being, it, it's almost a, it's almost a confession of sin to say I was really wowed by the youth. Of, that just is an indicator that I wasn't paying attention. And my attentions were elsewhere. 
and I wasn't paying attention. That's why I'm so loud. Because if I understood where the youth are at today, it wouldn't be surprising to me. It would just be inspiring and, and uh, a direction for my attention and my um, support and my own, my own faith, faithfulness. So I think we, have, we do as a church have a lot to learn about what is advocacy. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so we're kind of reaching the end of our our booking. That's that's always yeah that we look at the time. We're like, okay, we're kind of coming close to when we have to start wrapping up here. But um, thank you both so much. That that very very insightful answers, especially to that last question. And I just wondered if before we sort of hit end recording, if you both or one of you or neither of you, it doesn't matter, but um, if you had any wrapping up thoughts or anything mm -hmm. sort of would have liked to talk about that you didn't feel like you got a chance to. I just want to thank you both for, for doing this work and hopefully it gets um, a lot of, uh, you get a lot of listeners in the, in the church um, as they're doing their dishes, listening to you guys. So <laughs> I listened to one episode so far and I really liked it. And I'm going to listen to, I think you have two, right? Two up or how many do you have? Uh, like seven or eight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the first ones are sleepers, right? Yeah. We're, we're just learning how to use the equipment. And so some of those were recorded back in the spring. And you're always a bit, do we want people to go back and listen to the first one or two? I don't remember what we said. Good. But we, <laughs> we do know we got Pastor Anita and Pastor Nathan, who people know and respect. And so we can uh, tag your you know, yeah, that's a ticket. Headliners, that. yeah. <laughs> get it out. Hey, we gotta get this out to the clay, uh, clay organizers. Little post, uh, post session. Send it out to folks. Get Gretchen and Sheila on, and Zach. They'll they'll tell you about the youth gathering, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if if nothing else, um, I guess we can wrap up. We have a little thanks. We usually we usually thank uh, CFUV for allowing us to use their space. Uh, we thank UVic Multifaith uh, and Lutheran Church of the Cross for supporting us in the work that we do. And once again, thank you both so much for. I know you both are very busy, so thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being so. I know we we dropped some questions on you guys last minute, so thank you for being so flexible and <laughs> so flexible yet so insightful. It was really fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot Pro professionals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah professionals, <laughs> thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you for having us yeah. and blessings in your work in this work, this important yeah. work. Thank you. Thank and you thank much. you to BC Senate for supporting campus ministry. Absolutely. Yay, I BC Senate. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you for listening and we'll see you next time